Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast, Live Well Bipolar. Super excited about this episode, you guys, because I have a special guest for you today. We got connected on Instagram. We've been talking back and forth while I was getting ready for the wedding and different things like this, and I'm so excited to bring you guys and let you in on her experiences and her story. So introducing you to Megan Recipio. She is a mental health advocate. An aspiring author. She has bipolar type one, PTSD, and anxiety. She aspires to spread positivity and hope surrounding mental health. And I'm so excited to get into this conversation because we, like I said, got connected on Instagram, where I've either met many of you who are here today listening. And I'm going to put her Instagram at the end of this episode. But Megan, thank you so much for joining me and in wanting to take part in this conversation today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and be with you. And yeah, we had some nice chats about, you know, before your wedding. And that was so fun. And seeing your pictures getting married, like that was so excited. I was so excited for you. I know we were just talking back and forth. So just let's start from the beginning, like go back to the beginning of it, right? So When did you first learn about your diagnosis? I got diagnosed around three years ago. So I'm 35 Mm -hmm. years old right now. So it was 2020, uh, which was just an awful year, (laughs) you know, and then getting diagnosed on top of, you know, that year anyway was just awful. But I've been in therapy for about six or seven years now. And my therapist noticed a full-blown manic episode in me. And that's kind of what got the ball rolling on getting my diagnosis. It actually took, it didn't happen right away. It actually took a little bit of time between like my therapist and my psychiatrist kind of talking to each other and monitoring me and before they officially diagnosed me. So that was kind of Uh, it was kind of difficult because for a while there I was super confused and didn't know what was going on with me. And, you know, I was manic and then I crashed into this major depression and, you know, I would just kept asking them like, what's wrong with me? You know, like, why won't you guys just tell me? And I had like delusions that, you know, they were, you know, tiptoeing around me and not, you know, not wanting to tell me what's wrong with me. And, you know, so a little bit of psychotic mania, psychotic depression and, and stuff like that. So it was really a confusing time. I actually have my own business. And I, so I got diagnosed and and it was like October. And during that summer before, with my business, I got so busy with orders for pieces that I make. I make like home decor pieces and furniture. And I remember now looking back, like I was so manic and I was accepting like all kinds of orders that I knew I couldn't really handle. You know, I'm just one person with my business. And these were like big pieces that I would be making. And I mean, all all sorts of different pieces, but like furniture and I accepted so many of them and I was just elated and on top of the world. And then I would have these mental breakdowns and I would just crash and it w- it went on like that for months. And then, but I'm surprised honestly that my therapist didn't see that in me prior, but the, the full blown manic episode when I was psychotic, like that was definitely a huge red flag So yeah, so it's been definitely a whirlwind 
of, you know, getting diagnosed and accepting it and, and everything like that. Wow. Yeah. Just hearing you mention that, especially when you're talking about 2020. So having this happen literally in the middle of the pandemic, and now this is happening with the uncertainty with what is exactly going on with with my mental health. What is this called? Is there a name for it? Especially when you talk about having your own business and getting into those extremes, because I totally know what you're talking about. I've had that too with my hospitalization and when my my diagnosis was first coming with the extremes with the manic side, with you know doing a lot with work, like taking on more than you mm-hmm. can handle, just feeling really invincible and like you can do it all and it'll all get done and all these different things and then really crashing and then feeling like all those feelings that hit you of shame and then really blaming yourself. And then also like you're mentioning, get into with the delusion side with therapists, right? Of why aren't you telling me what's going on? I feel like they know more than what they're leading on. I've definitely had that experience too back before I got my diagnosis when I was in therapy. So I love that you mentioned having been in therapy for like six to seven years and then getting the diagnosis in in the 2020 and when you were 32 and then going through doing what you're doing with your business and then having all these different things going on. And then you ended on a piece at the end there of talking about receiving the diagnosis and then accepting the diagnosis. So when you receive a diagnosis of bipolar, what was your relationship with like with the acceptance piece of it? Oh gosh. I was definitely in in shock. I think a little bit of denial at first. It took me a minute to process it. More than a minute. You know, it took it took me a little while because I was delusional too. And so it didn't really like I was everything confused me. And so whenever my psychiatrist actually sat me down finally and said, Megan, you know, you have bipolar one with psychotic features. And I was just, you know, I was in shock, but also it made sense to me. You know, I kind of had done some research after having these episodes and it made sense that bipolar would fit the diagnosis that I received. So it wasn't Mm -hmm. like, it was hard to hear But once I processed it, you know, I felt better having that diagnosis and having a name for it, for what I was going through and for the things that I was experiencing. And I was so thankful that they finally did diagnose me and, you know, I could kind of move forward with that because that's such, you know, a huge thing. I mean, bipolar doesn't run in my family. So it it's not something that I have experience with knowing other people who have it. Mm-hmm. And so that was really hard for not only me to educate myself, but also my family. They are so supportive of me, uh, my husband and my parents, especially. They, they've been there for me every step of the way. And so, yeah, I mean, we kind of all just, they, they would come to appointments with me and learn more about, you know, what was going on with me because they were just as confused as I was and, and everything like that. So yeah, I'm so thankful for the support that I have. I think that's crucial when you have, Mm -hmm. you know, a diagnosis as severe as bipolar and, and other ones too, you know, but I think it's so crucial to have that support. Mm-hmm. Especially what you were saying with the, not having it run in your family, right? Because I know for me, that was something that I had an idea of, of hearing it from other people in my family, but not really 
getting to talk about it, right? Those people being, you know, not wanting to have the conversations or, you know, not being in in the mindset to say, okay, this is really what happens, especially going back to how big of a difference the support piece makes with your parents, with your husband, with them wanting to learn more about it. And like you're saying, when you first got that diagnosis, really just, you know, being really in shock. And at first, like with the denial of it, and then really kind of being in a phase of where you're feel like you're talking about the delusions and different things. So being told this on top of it and just not really wanting to hear it or believe it. And then as you're doing more research on it, coming across other people who are willing to speak about it. So I'd love to ask you about that because when you opened up about your experience of not knowing anyone in your family or not really feeling like you knew anyone who had diagnosis, what was it like for you? Because that's how we met on Instagram. And I was so thankful that we were able, I don't even know the way that we got connected from that because you guys all link her Instagram in the show notes here, but she is always sharing like really, really good posts, being super transparent about her own experience, very vulnerable. So what was that like for you, first of all, to be in a position where you can publicly open up about your diagnosis and experience? And then what was that like for you to connect with others who also have lived with bipolar? Well, it was definitely very scary at first to come out and be like, you know, I have bipolar. And I created the Instagram page separate from my personal account to kind of connect with the mental health community and find other people who have bipolar, who I could talk to or can learn more information about it. And there's so many resources out there and so many like people that I've met that are, have just been amazing. I've made some really good friends just through Instagram and my page. And it's been an amazing experience. It really has been. And I think that without that, I would feel so alone, you know, because Mm -hmm. it's not like it's something that people really want to talk about. And, Mm -hmm. but having the community that I have on Instagram, you know, it, it's, there's no like shame, you know, it's just like, this is who I am. This is, you know, what I have and this, you know, you can either accept me or not. And these are the kind of things that, you know, I'm putting out there. I'm being vulnerable, like you said, and, you know, I've definitely put poems out there that are definitely very, make me very vulnerable but I want to share that. And I think it's super important. And, you know, if I can relate to somebody or somebody can relate to me, then it just, it makes you feel good. You know, Mm -hmm. it just, yeah, you just feel like you're doing something and you're not just dwelling in the diagnosis. Yeah. And I know that especially coming from it too, because I know thinking back for myself, when I was first diagnosed, really just, it took me years to really start to discover doing the work or coming across these things. So I'd love to ask you, what have been some major pieces? And I know we can get into therapy and other things that have been helpful, but what have been some major pieces of your journey that have been helpful helpful for you when it came down to managing the diagnosis? I think a lot of it helping me like with writing journaling Mm -hmm. 
and just I would take note cards and I would just like write the date down and even the time sometimes you know if, if I was manic and it was like you know three o'clock in the morning like I would make sure I put the time down so like I could look back on it and be like okay this is what I was writing at this time like this is what I was going through and I would just put my thoughts down there on paper and get them out of my head you know you have such racing thoughts sometimes and you can't sleep or you can't think about anything else and so for me writing just really releases all of that. And it's so therapeutic and it's such a great tool that I've really come to use a lot more recently. I didn't do that at first and it, you know, it was hard and I didn't, I also didn't have like the concentration to even like read a book or watch TV or anything like that to distract me. So writing was something I could like throw my headphones on, listen to music and I could just let out all my, you know, all of my thoughts on paper and just that's kind of, you know, how the Instagram got started, you know, just wanting to kind of put what I was writing out there for other people. And that's just been super helpful. And, you know, I'm writing a book, too, which is so exciting. I'm like, I just finished the like first draft of it. And so yeah, I'm pumped about that. I can't wait to see where it takes me, you know, so. Oh my gosh. That's so awesome. See, and I love that you mentioned of getting into writing and journaling to get the thoughts out of your head and onto paper because when you're talking about the racing thoughts and sometimes how we don't even have the awareness of how we're feeling that moment. So she was talking about maybe it's three o'clock in the morning, writing this down, writing the date and time, and then the feelings and what's going on. So that way you can look back and say, okay, this is what I was thinking, because sometimes it can be really hard to articulate that. And I love that you do that, especially too, with the page that your Instagram page of having those journal articles and putting those things out there, because I know that's exactly how I felt too, with you know, being in the process of writing a book, which I'm so excited for you. And I can't wait to just <laughs> learn more about that. Cause I remember the process of getting into that, you know, with my story, obviously sharing things that are very, very difficult to bring up, but really wanting to give the reader, this is what the reality is. This is what it looks like. This is what it still looks like. So I love that you do that because that really is something that I connect with. And I remember seeing a lot of the things that you would talk about. And that's literally why I reached out to you. And I was like, I would love to learn more because if you're willing to be open about it, that's really how we can improve is from seeing other people's stories and just featuring enough of them, because there's always something you can pull from each one of whether it's like, okay, this is what Megan does when she talks about writing and journaling. Maybe I'll try that. You know, I haven't done a lot of that, or I haven't really, you know, tried doing anything like that with my thoughts. And maybe I can recognize some of these patterns. So that could help somebody who's, or maybe somebody who's listening, who knows someone who maybe is newly diagnosed or they're unsure, or they, they might feel like something is going on, but they don't know how to put it into words. So really hearing how you're talking about that and just mentioning too, how you didn't have the concentration before. I know I definitely, I definitely relate to that. So I'd love to hear from, hear from you. What was helpful for you in the process of writing, writing your story and getting your book together. So having that first draft completed, was there like a certain event or moment or a a bunch of them that combined that really made you say, I want to put this together. I want to put my story into a book for people to resonate with. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I probably got the idea when I was probably manic to write a book. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie, you know, and it's been about a year and a half in the making, but I've always 
wanted to tell my story and be transparent and as hard as it is, it's like, you know, somebody's reading your diary pretty much. If you're going to put a book out there about yourself and your experiences, I mean, you have to be your your authentic self, I think, for people to actually want to read it and enjoy it. You can't just kind of, you know, half-ass it and, you know, you have to, you have to put yourself out there and be vulnerable and so... I have definitely done that, but writing like the book, it just, it helped me in so many different ways. I mean, I know I'm in therapy as well and on medication and all of that, that is also a contributing factor, you know, but it's so therapeutic, you know, talking about traumas and things that I can't actually maybe speak about sometimes. I can't actually say the words, Mm -hmm. but I can write them and it's just so freeing and so cathartic. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, I know, I think we have a shared experience, you know, from early on, I think you were 15 from reading your book and I was 18, Mm -hmm. you know, in college. And so that was definitely a difficult thing to write about, but I felt so much better after doing that. And I really, I mean, I processed it, a lot of it in therapy, but there's such a huge difference in telling your story. And, Mm -hmm. and I think that that really made a big difference, you know, being able to put it on paper and hopefully, you know, have like me reading your book and reading that. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I can so relate to this, you know, like which, Mm -hmm. you know, everything that you kind of experienced afterward. And I'm like, yeah, like I experienced, you know, some of the same things and, yeah, I think it's an incredible thing to read somebody else's story and, you know, feel like, oh, I'm not alone. Like this happened to somebody else and they went through the same kind of trials that I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love the way that you say that. Of you, you talked about not being able to say the words, but being able to write them. And literally hearing you say that reminded me so much of what it was like to to get out that part of the story and talk about trauma because, and letting people know like, Hey, there are things that we're going to be mentioning that are triggering for people. So in like giving people that heads up of, Hey, you know, this, if if this is something that you're still dealing with, then I wouldn't, you know, recommend getting into it and just being super understanding. Mm -hmm. So having that shared experience of getting into talking about sexual assault and trying different medications and how hard that process can be with finding what works for you. And then even, even in therapy, right. Finding a routine that works or just getting on track with your life of here's some things I need to cut out here's some things I need to keep in, setting boundaries, getting into all of this because, you know, like what you're talking about, when you're able to write it out, you really give yourself that key to the awareness to see, okay, these are the things that are hurting me. Mm -hmm. These are the thoughts that I'm saying that are really, really causing a lot of problems and here's what I can try to do about it. So I'd love to hear from you when you still have these days, right, where we're still presented with obstacles and challenges and different things that we're dealing with when it comes down to living with bipolar, what things are some things that you are still dealing with that are challenging, but you found some tools that are helpful to work through those things that you never knew about before? Well, I definitely, I, I mean, I have the support of my family, like I said, so I can talk to them. And I, sometimes I feel like they know their my moods before I do. And so that's definitely helpful to have that open dialogue with people that I trust. So 
you know, whenever I'm having a difficult time, I don't feel like I have to hide what I'm feeling. You know, I can be open and honest and they, you know, I get understanding in return and kindness and help. And so some tools, I mean, I just, I have to keep busy. You know, I have to keep my hands busy. Mm -hmm. I have to keep my mind busy or else my anxiety just kind of gets the better of me. And so I do a lot of different projects. You know, I like to embroider and I like to build like miniature like dollhouses and like, you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You know, those are major things that like I just have to I have to be doing something and not because I'm manic or anything, but just because it's just something that helps relax me. And, mm-hmm. you know, calms me down a little bit. And it's, you know, if I'm having a hard time and I can't concentrate and watch TV and relax, then I can do something else. You know, I can mm-hmm. chat with my husband or, you know, my parents or, you know, do some of the things like I just said. So to really help mm-hmm. those difficult times and try to get through them. Yeah. And I love that you talk about the supportive piece and then staying busy and mentioning this is what you found that is helpful for you with doing different things that you're mentioning, like getting into working on building those different pieces and bringing these things to Mm -hmm. life and really creating something that an idea or a concept you have in your mind. And, you know, doing that instead of like you're saying, it can be so easy just to let yourself really get taken over by your own thoughts, right? When you're in a situation that's difficult, figuring out what it is that helps you to relax and stay calm. And I love how you talk about with your your parents and your husband knowing your moods before you do. So like being super in tune to that because I know that can definitely be a challenge for people who have someone in their life who has a diagnosis of bipolar and I want to learn more about how to show up for them or how to be supportive. Mm-hmm. And really being able to communicate that I think is huge. So Talk to me a little bit about the relationship with your husbands. Were you guys together before the diagnosis? What different things did he do to learn to be supportive? Yeah, we've been together uh, 12 years now. Actually, we've been married 12 years. We've been together for about 16 years. So we've known each other, yeah, for a very long time. Yeah. And so, I mean, I... He knew when I would have depressive episodes, I was misdiagnosed as having major depressive disorder. And so since I was like 13 years old, I've had depression. And it's always, I've always had a really hard time with treatment and trying to, you know, help combat that. And so he's seen, you know, me when I'm depressed and very low. And at first, you know, in the beginning of our relationship, I kind of, didn't want him to see that side of me. But Mm -hmm. whenever you, you know, you move in together, you live together, you get married. I mean, you see that person all the time. And he really picked up on whenever, like, you know, I would be down and, and then I would, you know, be like, yeah, I am feeling depressed. And, you know, and he's would be just asked like, well, you know, what can I do to help you? Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes it took a while. I mean, sometimes he would be like, well, why are you sad? Why are you depressed? And it's like, well, you can't really ask why, you know, sometimes there's just not a reason and it just, Mm -hmm. it just is. And so it took him a while to kind of understand that, that they're just phases and cycles that you go through that there's really no explanation for, but he's Mm -hmm. come such a long way. And with my parents too, like, 
I kept so much from them. I just always kind of mm. grew up like, you know, you don't really talk about things. And so you kind of keep it light. And so I never really spoke up. And that was a major like thing for me growing up being depressed, being such a, you know, at such a young age and not feeling like I had, you know, anyone to talk to. And then mm-hmm. kind of coming out with this diagnosis, I just kind of made it a point to be like, no, I'm going to be open and honest about how I feel and they're either going to, you know, work with me or they're not, you know, and obviously Mm -hmm. they stick by my side and, and help me. And, you know, my mom was the first one to try and find me new like solutions. If I'm depressed, like she got me into TMS Mm -hmm. and, you know, other places and trying to get me into like wellness centers and things like that, you know? So yeah, it's definitely Uh, been a process, but it's, it's really a good thing that I have going. Yeah, no, I love hearing you talking about, especially with your mom too, and then your husband, right? You guys have been together for 16 years. Like you're saying married for 12 and then taking it back from the beginning because for me, I was also misdiagnosed with depression as well. So hearing you mention that since 13 years old, going through that and then really having him asking the questions, right? And then you being able to have that back and forth. That's how I feel too with the reasoning because it's like sometimes you're always searching for a reason of why am I like this? Why am I feeling sad? And then being like, well, this is what it is because we always want to be logical and try to say, okay, here's the explanation. Mm -hmm. But being able to share that and then have him you know, get a better understanding of it, I feel like is huge because some of the biggest obstacles can be our relationships or past relationships or ones that we've had that were traumatic. And then some of those things can carry over into the ones that were trying to form or have been forming. Mm -hmm. So I love that you're able to really get into having that dialogue with him and then mentioning too, like wanting to keep it from your parents and not having a lot of conversations with it growing up. Cause that's really the same exact way that I felt. And then really being able to build up that relationship because sometimes for people, they might not have that or may not feel they have that support, but I love what you're doing where you're actually making it more normalized to talk about these experiences and sharing that online to have other people get connected with you to see what's your story been or what's working for you and hearing you share like you did today like hey I got diagnosed back in 2020 but it's been literally ever since I was 13 dealing with periods of depression then getting into the manic side then having like the full-blown manic experience of you know taking on way more than you can handle with with the business and then really like going back to here are the the big pieces that have been helpful with medication with therapy with the relationships and then just the willingness to be open with it so you know the one thing i want to ask you which we probably got into sprinkled a little bit throughout the episode but if you can give me just one thing that pops to your mind when you hear this question what does it mean for you or what does it look like for you to live well bipolar Oh, I just think it's so positive. It's such a positive thing when I hear that, you know, and it's, it gives me hope, you know, that you can live well with bipolar, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's a very hard thing to live with, but I am a very hopeful and optimistic person. And so live well bipolar just means to me, like, you know, you can, you can do it. You can live a healthy life and manage your symptoms in a healthy way and do things that make you better 
and, you know, and everything like that. I mean, I just think it's a wonderful message, honestly. And it just, you know, like I try to inspire hope and positivity and, you know, in the things that I do. And so I just love that that's your message. And I think it's such a great one, but it's just, it makes you feel good. You know, like I can do this. Mm -hmm. I have bipolar, but I can live well. Yes. Oh, thank you so much. I love that you get, just get into that, especially with the hopefulness piece and getting back into the fact that you can do this and here's kind of the the ways and the tools of how to make it happen. So before we go, I want you to tell everybody, where can we go to get more of you? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram. My handle is at thisismegan underscore R. And I also have my business page. If anybody would be interested in checking that out, it's at handmade by Megan one. And that's also on Instagram. So yeah, feel free to message me. I'd love to chat. I love meeting new people. And um, yeah, I'm always happy to, to be there, you know, for someone and just connect. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah, you guys, I'll, I will make sure to put those accounts. So this is Megan underscore R for her page. And then also handmade by Megan as well will be on there. So you guys can go and check her out there and then stay connected. And again, I want to thank you guys for being here and just being able to tune in and take in this information and really listen to Megan's story. And I hope that you got as much value out of it as I got bringing it to you guys. So I want to wish you guys a good rest of your day or nighttime, depending on when you're listening to this and say goodbye to you guys and also say bye to Megan as well. So thanks guys. And thanks, Megan. Bye, Megan. Bye. Thank you.